Business Commission meeting on May 8th, 2023. The meeting is being called to order at 4.37 p.m. This meeting is being held in hall, um, in City Hall, in person, room 408, and broadcast live on SFGov TV and available to view online or listen to by calling 415-655-0001. The Small Business Commission thanks Media Services and SFGov TV for televising the meeting, which can be viewed on SFGov TV 2 or live streamed at sfgovtv.org. We welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for general public comment at the end of the meeting and an opportunity to comment on each discussion or action item on the agenda. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. Members of the public who will be calling in, the number is 415-655-0001. Access code is 2591-265-8949, followed by the password 7221. Press pound and then pound again to be added to the line. When connected, you'll be in muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you dial star three before public comments called, you'll be added to the queue. When it's your time to speak, you'll be prompted to do so. Public comment during the meeting is limited to three minutes per speaker and alarm will sound once time's finished. Speakers are requested but not required to state their names. SFGov TV, please show the Office of Small Business slide. Today we will begin with a reminder that the Small Business Commission is the official public forum to voice your opinions and concerns about policies that affect the economic vitality of small businesses in San Francisco. Before item one is called, I'd like to start by thanking Media Services and SFGov TV for coordinating this virtual hearing and helping to run the meeting. Please call item one. Item one, roll call. Commissioner Carter is absent. Commissioner Dickerson. Present. Commissioner Gregory. Present. Commissioner Herbert. Present. Uh, President Huey. Present. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena is absent and Vice President Zazunas. Present. President, you have a quorum. Thank you. The San Francisco Small Business Commission and Office of Small Business Staff acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone ha have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. I also want to acknowledge that we have a new commissioner, Trisha Gregory, joining us. And I think we can go ahead and call um, item number two. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> item two, approval of legacy business registry applications and resolutions. This is a discussion and action item. Presenting today is Richard Carrillo, Legacy Business Program Manager with the Office of Small Business. Good afternoon, President Huey, Vice President Zuzunas, Commissioners, City staff, members of the public. I'm Richard Carrillo, Legacy Business Program Manager. 
I would like to acknowledge Michelle Reynolds, my colleague in the Office of Small Business, who assists with the review, collation, and processing of legacy business registry applications. SFGovTV, I have a PowerPoint presentation. Before you today are three applications for your consideration for the legacy business registry. Each application includes a staff report, a draft resolution, the application itself, and documents from the planning department. The applications were submitted to planning on March 22nd and heard by the Historic Preservation Commission on April 19th. <clears throat> Item 2A is My Tree Compassionate Care. The business is a nonprofit residential care facility in DeBose Triangle, founded in 1987 and officially established with the California Secretary of State on April 14th, 1993. Maitri is Sanskrit for compassionate friendship. The organization is the only AIDS-specific residential care facility in California focusing on the underserved community of those dying or severely, dying of or severely debilitated by AIDS. 80% of Maitri's population are homeless and 60% are affected by mental disease and substance use disorder. Guests are cared for by nurses, attendants, social workers, physicians, and mental health clinicians, and can join in on enrichment activities such as music, art, animal-assisted therapy, meditation, yoga, therapeutic bodywork, and social outings. Recently, MyTree expanded their services to include short-term medical respite and restorative care for people who are recovering from gender affirmation surgery. MyTree also offers branch aftercare to support former residents as they transition into independence. The core feature tradition the business must maintain to remain on the legacy business registry is residential care. Item 2B is Ng Hing Key Inc. The business is a print shop in Chinatown that has provided the community with printed books, magazines, movies, and music in Chinese. Inghi Key is one of the earliest businesses to wholesale and retail Hong Kong published Chinese books and magazines. Over the years, the business has evolved and expanded. During the COVID pandemic, Inghi Key was approved and authorized to process vehicle registrations, title transfers, and other approved services by the California Department of Motor Vehicles under their business partner program. The on-site service saves the public from waiting in long lines at the DMV or making special trips out of the neighborhood. The business also sponsors a variety of entertainment and cultural events and partners with organizations to serve as a convenient location for ticket sales. Ng Hing Key Incorporation Incorporated also has on-site shipping services for customers to ship small parcels overseas to friends and relatives. The core feature tradition the business must maintain is multimedia store. Item 2C is Piro's Pizzeria. The business is a restaurant in the Parkside District established in 1967 by Fred Piro, an Italian immigrant. The traditional recipes used at Piro's Pizzeria were brought over from Sicily, and Piro's remains committed to tradition and classic taste which endures with their distinctive brand of old-style hand-spun pizza. The business uses local and sustainable ingredients, 
sources, sourcing ingredients from local farmers and suppliers, supporting local businesses, and contributing to the local economy. Piero's Pizzeria serves a, as a gathering place where friends and family create treasured memories on birthdays, anniversaries, dates, engagement parties, championship games, and holiday celebrations. Piero's has sponsored sports teams, pageants, and softball leagues, and provided first employment opportunities to local high school students and members of the community. The business believes in contributing to the Sunset community in a meaningful way while providing a high quality dining experience. The core feature tradition the business must maintain is restaurant featuring Italian cuisine. All three businesses met the three criteria required for listing on the Legacy Business Registry, and all three received a positive recommendation from the Historic Preservation Commission. Legacy Business Program staff recommends adding the businesses to the registry and has drafted three resolutions for your consideration. A motion in support of the businesses should be framed as a motion in favor of the resolutions. Thank you. This concludes my presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions. There are business representatives in the room, possibly online, who would like to speak on behalf of the applications during public comment. Thank you very much, Rick. Um, commissioners, any comments or questions? Um, I guess we'll open it up for public comment. If people want to just line up on the side of the room here, please come forward and speak. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Rose, and I'm a native of Chinatown. I grew up there. So I am a customer and friend of Yoko, who owns the Ki store. So I started out going there just to buy tickets to go to the Thunder Valley Casino, but I got to know her. And yeah, thank you for always, you know, letting me get the best seats in front. And then I eventually got Chinese medication, you know, my Lunar New Year decorations, um, you know, used her parcel delivery service, and even her, she gives, you know, beautiful wonderful beauty products. I renew my car registration. So Yoko, before I met her too, I knew that she was also very generous to our APA Family Support Services and donating books for our clients. And also too, recently when I knew her, when I told her about our Lions Club dinner, I just invited her as a guest and, and she brought all these products to give to the guests, like the hand sanitizers and stuff. So I just want to say that uh, Yoko is really a benefit to the community. She's a smart businesswoman who pivoted during the pandemic and definitely deserves to be um, recognized as a legacy business. Thank you. Good afternoon, President Huey and other commissioners. Um, I wasn't prepared to speak today, but then um, I know I need to say something about Inghenki. Inghenki. Um, I remember when I was only 15, I was a new immigrant to San Francisco, and I don't know any English. And to, to make me feel more comfort that I'm away from a, a, a Khmer language, and then I went, I've discovered Enghinki that was on Upper uh, Jackson Street uh, above um, Grand Avenue. So I was there almost every day after school, and then I was looking at the books and the magazines. I know at that time, Yoko, um, she's the Cantonese saying, don't rip the book, 
You can read it, but be careful. We have to sell it. So I have, I have to be very careful reading everything. Um, and then I have to be very nicely put it back because I was very grateful that she didn't kick me out because I was there almost every day. But now she says she can't recognize me, but that's fine. <laughs> um, and after a few, uh, after years, and then we, we get to know each other, and I know that she does all the video books, uh, um, VCRs, CDs, and, and concerts. And at that time, I'm not, I cannot afford to buy tickets, but then I was just very delighted that we have some common um, knowledge and culture that's actually here in San Francisco rather than Hong Kong and China. So I was very delighted with the bookstore. And one day she was telling me that, hey, I'm interested in applying for a legacy business. Should I do it? And then I say, heck yeah. You've been in the business for how many years? Over 40 years. And I think it enriched at least three generations in San Francisco. And I'm sure that the people in my age, they would recognize this bookstore very well. And even in Hong Kong, people know about this bookstore. In, in Southern California, they know about this bookstore. So it's really like passing on a culture for the younger generation to carry, carrying on some Chinese characters. And that's why I can read Chinese still. So I'm very grateful. And I want you to approve Inghinki as a legacy business. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name's Yan Eng. My late name is Yoko. Um, thank you uh, two of my true fans, and they, they gave me the comment. Uh, my, I, am, I am the minority woman to working with this bookstore over 47 years. Actually, it's a two generation. Um, my father is working in Hong Kong for wholesale this one. When I'm really, really young, and I'm not that old, okay? I'm really, very young at that time, my father have the dreams that if I have an overseas company, same name is, brand name is really good, okay? Then I, I try to make his dream, okay? And I just thinking I will do in a couple years, I will quit, okay? But well, by the time, the time fine fresh, I'm over 47 years. Uh, it's, it's very sad and passed uh, two, three years ago, and they, we have a Corvette, okay? But I still, Donation, a lot of books, let the old lady, old gentleman, they can kill the time at home. Okay, then I can set a space, make some space to go into the other kind of a business to help the community. Okay, that's all I wanted to talk. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen of the commission, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share with you about Perro's Pizzeria. Our restaurant is not just another pizza joint, but rather a unique dining experience that, ex that celebrates the joy of food and community. Firstly, our pizza is made with only the first ingredients sourced locally whenever possible. We take pride in our commitment to quality from the hand-tossed dough to the homemade sauce and toppings. Our menu features a range of classic Sicilian and creative pieces, as well as salads, appetizers, and beers to satisfy palates. But what truly sets us apart is our emphasis on community. Our pizzeria is designed to be a gathering place for friends, 
families and neighbors. We have a cozy dining area with plenty of seating, as well as a welcoming patio for outdoor dining. Our staff is trained to provide exceptional service, ensuring that every customer feels uh, welcome and valued. In addition to the regular menu, we also special offer special events and promotions that bring people together, from sports nights, league celebrations, to charity fundraisers. We strive to create a fun and inclusive atmosphere that fosters a sense of belonging. Finally, I want to highlight our commitment to sustainability. We use eco-friendly packaging, recycle whenever possible, and partner with Logan Farms to produce our carbon footprint. We believe that businesses have a responsibility to contribute to the well-being of the community and the planet, and we take that responsibility seriously. In summary, Peros Pizzeria is not just a place to grab a quick bite, but rather a destination for delicious food, warm hospitality, and meaningful connections. We will be honored to have the opportunity to, the, to have the San Francisco Legacy Business Destination, as well as to serve you and show you what makes us special. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, commissioners. I'm Jackie Thornhill, a legislative aide and supervisor of Raphael Mandelman's office, here to speak in support of the nomination for Maitri Compassionate Care. Um, we are so glad that Maitri is in District 8, that they have been there doing this important, uh, not easy, but important work for 36 years. We hope they will continue doing that work in District 8 for many generations to come. We want to thank their executive director, Michael Armentrout, everyone at Maitri who does the work, and we are glad to support this nomination. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any callers on the line? To be added to the queue, please press star three. Uh, there are no callers online. Hey, uh, commissioners, any any other comments or questions? <laughs> Commissioner Dickerson. Thank you. Thank you all so much for doing what you do. I, I think this is, uh, when I think about um, the approval of the legacy businesses, it always, it does something to me. I think, I think it, just the idea that you all have been serving the community for as long as you've been serving this community. I'm sure that there's countless people who could come and fill up this room and probably this whole, this whole building with the care that I hear and the compassion that you have for your community, even down to the pizzeria. I loved the comments you were making. This is not just a place to come get pizza. This is a place you come and, and you're gonna find community and you're going to find a camaraderie and all of the, the, the benefits of uh, being able to come to a place that, of course, serves pizza, which we all love. But also, I don't wanna mispronounce this, Maitri? Did I say that correct? Maitri. Um, I'm really glad to see that you are on this um, approval for legacy business. Um, 
the care that you are providing is un, untapped. Um, what was just stated by the last comment about how it's not easy, not easy work is not easy work, and to think 36 years doing this type of work shows the heart and care for this city, for your community, and for people. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all that you all have done. It is not going unnoticed. This is actually a real privilege to be able to be here and to be able to vote on um, such legacy businesses as you all have presented today. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, any other speakers? Well, I just wanted to recognize this uh, thread. It's so hard for me. I'm sitting behind this monitor, so maybe you guys don't, you just hear me, but um, I, I just wanted to recognize this thread of deep connection and community through all of um, your organizations and your businesses. I think, you know, um, especially during this time, I get asked a lot by different people, like, um, how are small businesses doing? What is, what is going on with small businesses? And I think, you know, a lot of people wanna, you know, they wanna hear what they wanna hear, but I think the true reality of things is that we are really coming together as a community, and I think small businesses anchor our neighborhoods, they anchor the people in our neighborhoods, and they give us, you know, place for us to gather and actually be with one another. And I think that's a really special thing that um, that maybe in the past we used to take for granted because you could just go down the street and like do your do your things like your regular, you know, pick up a newspaper, pick up whatever it is. But now I think um, life requires a little bit of effort, right? And I think the effort, spending time with the people in your community, is well worth it. I think um, these relationships are really special. So. You know, for all the questions that people kind of ask about small businesses, I would say, like this, this little piece of what we just heard right now is what small business is like in San Francisco. So, you know, thank you very much for all of the time that you spend in your businesses, all the time that you spend with community members, listening to them, and <laughs> because people generally come in and have things to say about their lives, and you actually listen, which is why, why people keep coming in. So. Thank you for taking care of one another, and um, and yeah, uh, thank you, Rick, for bringing forth all these uh, wonderful legacy businesses today. So um, yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess hearing no further callers or comments, public comment is closed. Does anyone want to make a motion? I'll make a motion to approve all of these legacy businesses today. I'll second. Motion by Commissioner Dickerson to approve these applications, seconded by Commissioner Herbert. I'll read the roll. Commissioner Carter, absent. Commissioner Dickerson. Yes. Commissioner Herbert. Yes. President Huey. Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena is absent, and Vice President Zuzunas. Yes. Motion passes. Congratulations. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There's film production. Thank you all. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. I will keep
on his working hard to, to present back to all the, the society and the community. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, Thank you. Oh. Good to see you, Blessings on you. <laughs> yes. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. Ooh, warm fuzzies. Oh. <laughs> you do a really good job of that. <laughs> do you want me to just jump? Uh, yeah, uh, go ahead and call number three. <laughs> <laughs> Item three, downtown economic recovery update. This is a discussion item. The commission will hear a presentation on upcoming activations and initiatives to revitalize downtown San Francisco, including a discussion about office vacancies and public safety. Presenting today, we have Catherine Daniel, Director, Economic Recovery Initiatives with the Office of Economic and Workforce Development. Oh, is it on this? Sorry. Is it on this? And don't go down one yet. And then turn it up this way, I guess. Yeah. This one? Yes. Good? It'll, it'll come up. Okay. <laughs> Hi. Welcome, Director Daniel. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Commissioners. Um, I was here, I think, nine months ago to with a very preliminary sort of um, presentation about how we were thinking about economic recovery uh, for downtown specifically um, based on the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and the work from home uh, that has sort of become ubiquitous. Uh, I'm here today to give you an update on uh, and what has transpired on the strategy, the, uh, a more robust strategy that we've, that we've created. Um, and uh, and a couple of the initiatives that we have put forward. So uh, as a reminder, and, I mean from nine months ago, so uh, what Economic Recovery and Regeneration does, my team, uh, is sort of three-pronged. Uh, we were formed after the pandemic in order to sort of be the central repository of data and information about how San Francisco was recovering and what was going well, what was not going well, and what was just really fundamentally different, and, and we expected to remain so. Uh, second was to coordinate the city's response to economic recovery, because economic recovery really is a citywide effort. There is no one department that is probably not doing economic recovery, um, but we are trying to sort of wrap our our arms around it and make sure that we are all moving in the same direction at the same time so that we can maximize the impact. Uh, and then three is to really lead the initiatives around uh, that don't already have a home in another city department. So which brings me to the, the roadmap to downtown San Francisco's future. Prior to the pandemic, downtown was really not something that needed a lot of intervention. Um, and so there was there was no pre-established team or department that was very focused. We were delivering basic services, public safety, cleaning, you know, all of the things that a city does, uh, but there, there was very little extra that we were doing. And now what we've seen is that downtown is really bearing the brunt of a lot of what uh, sort of is hanging on as a result of the pandemic and this work from home sort of, uh, sort of change. And so my team is very focused on downtown. Uh, in 
February at the State of the City, the mayor released the roadmap to downtown San Francisco's future, where she laid out a nine strategy sort of um, plan that supports how downtown is going to evolve and how the city was, was planning to um, support that evolution. Uh, and that is what I wanted to sort of brief you on today uh, and, and, and update you on some of the initiatives that have moved forward. So should I just advance? Just, yeah. okay, and you all will be able to see it. Okay, yes, it's working. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, a lot of people ask why downtown San Francisco is, is such an area of focus. And one is because it is um, such an engine of economic activity for the city and for the entire region. Uh, it, and you can see from these stats, sort of really, really does drive a lot of the job growth, a lot of the, uh, the economic output and economic activity of our city, and a lot of the tax base of our city. Um, it is also a really unique area where, you know, it is the central sort of convening place for the region. So it is fed by local and regional transit. Um, and it is, uh, and you know, it is sort of the concentration of all of our offices, and um, and has and, a, and an ecosystem of businesses that support those offices and all of the people that are in them. Um, and it is also bearing, as I said, sort of the brunt. So, uh, office attendance remains at forty percent. Even now, um, even in the best performing cities, office attendance has not gone past 70% of what it was uh, pre-pandemic. And we expect that, you know, it will be a very, very long time before we see people reporting to the office five days a week um, at scale. So there's just a fundamental shift that is happening. And this is obviously taking tolls on some of the systems that really like BART and Muni that were driving people, um, which is into downtown and into those offices, uh, which is causing a lot of sort of sustainability uh, issues within these departments. Um, and I would say there are three, there are three big factors contributing to the reduction in people and economic activity in downtown and in the rest of San Francisco. So first is the office attendance. Second is tourism. And our tourism numbers are doing much better than our office attendance numbers. We are, we are about 80% what we were prior to the pandemic. But tourism was a huge pillar of our economy. And at 80%, there is still a big dearth of, um, of people in San Francisco. And then the third is just the out-migration. We lost about 6% of our population during the pandemic. Most of those people moved to other places in the Bay uh, or in the broader region. Uh, but it was a net loss of people in the city. And, all, you know, and obviously that has economic impacts as well. Um, and like I said, you know, this has serious ramifications for the city's tax base. It also, you know, about 43% of the city's small businesses were based in the downtown area. Those businesses largely relied on the people who were circulating throughout and are struggling mightily uh, in the absence of those people. Um, this is just something to give you a visualization of our sales tax activity so that you can see, you know, that while 
there are areas of the city that, um, is particularly in our neighborhoods, because as people are not going into work, they are able to sort of support their neighborhood businesses, go to lunches and coffees and, and whatnot while they are working from home. But because we have experienced such a net loss of people and economic activity in our city, every neighborhood is really impacted. Um, and downtown most acutely so. Uh, I also wanted, you know, this is a small business commission and so the vast majority of San Francisco's businesses are small businesses. I think that it's 98%. And so this slide just really shows the business formation in San Francisco since the pandemic. Um, and you can see, you know, the trends where we are, it's not, it's not a good trend. We don't have a clear trend line yet. Um, it has ticked up, it has gone down, and so it's still pretty bumpy. Um, but we are hopeful that that, you know, that, that that is changing. The roadmap also puts some ideas forward for how we can support that. And so for all of these reasons, we needed to create a strategy for how to move downtown into the future and into like a, a strong position in a post-pandemic context. And that is, uh, that is what the Roadmap to Downtown San Francisco's future uh, attempts to do. I think the last thing before I just dive into these strategies and, and hopefully make time to answer a lot of questions is um, is that we this is a very dynamic situation. No, nobody knows yet how this is all going to like pan out um, and exactly what the strategies are. So every city in the country is grappling with this. San Francisco in some ways uh, acutely so, um, but it is dynamic. And so this is not intended to be like the plan. It is intended to show sort of how we're thinking about things, what strategies we are putting forward, and begin a discussion around what we're missing. As things change and as we get more information, what we need to tweak and adapt and pivot on ourselves. Um, but I welcome this conversation with you because we can start to do that. Okay, so we have a website and this is it. Um, as I said, nine strategies. Uh, it's more than 50 initiatives, and, um, and the first one is sort of the foundation for it all, which is to ensure that downtown is clean, safe, and inviting, uh, with the understanding that if people do not feel comfortable coming to downtown, none of our other strategies are going to work. Uh, and so over the last several years, there has been a tremendous focus by the mayor and by the city on uh, how to really uh, support the public safety, the street conditions, and people's feelings of safety uh, in downtown and throughout San Francisco. Uh, at this point, we have created probably more than 10 new programs that are supporting, you know, increased public safety, appropriate responses to different situations, uh, and the like, and so now this strategy now is very focused on coordinating those responses so that they are working together to address uh, all of the gamut of, um, of different challenges and different situations that are arising in the city in an efficient way that is in a coordinated way. Uh, and also that our, 
the members of our public know what they are and how to access them appropriately so that they can also you know, report, report situations um, and make sure that, uh, that the issues that arise that need to be addressed are, are known, that they're, that they're able to uh, you know, contact city services and, and feel confident that they are contacting the right city services ac according to the situation. And so that is a lot of what uh, strategy one is focused on at this point. Um, the second is really, you know, really recognizing that prior to the pandemic, San Francisco was an extremely competitive office market, uh, it, probably the most competitive in the country. And we still have a lot of those assets. Um, many businesses were not able to access our office market because our vacancy rate was so low, our prices were so high, and now with a, with a, a much higher vacancy rate, we have the opportunity to proactively reach out and fill offices with businesses and industries that, that might not think of San Francisco as open to them anymore. And so we're doing a couple of things in order to sort of signal uh, to those businesses and industries that we want them to take a look at San Francisco. So first we're doing a study to sort of identify what are those competitive industries so that we can proactively reach out. And those are the, the ones that San Francisco really has a value proposition for. And then two is to, you've probably heard about the legislation that the mayor introduced around tax incentives that was aimed one, at pausing a scheduled tax increase for those industries that were most impacted by the pandemic in terms of like loss, revenue losses, uh, so that right as they were trying to sort of stabilize and regain ground, we didn't hit them with a tax increase. And then two, to create a new tax incentive for, for offices that moved into San Francisco, new offices that moved into San Francisco, to give them a three-year discount on their gross receipts tax in order to sort of, again, sort of incentivize and signal to offices that, um, that San Francisco was open in one of their business. Um, and so a lot of focus is going on filling these office vacancies with offices, but we also recognize that at this point in time, there are going to be spaces in our downtown that are no longer competitive as offices. And we need to get, we need to lay a policy framework that allows those buildings to evolve and adapt to the reality that there's just less demand for office and particularly in certain kinds of building stock. So we can remove the regulatory impediments from conversions of those spaces from office to other kinds of uses, whether that be housing or um, something that is conducive to other kinds of, of industry, like life sciences or, or um, manufacturing, things like that. We also have a very large amount of office and ground floor commercial space to fill. And again, if we are going to fill such a big, um, a big pool, we need to make it easy for businesses to open up and start operating in San Francisco so that we don't have these prolonged timelines where people are sitting on leases but not able to operate. Um, a lot of 
the, small, the Office of Small Business has been working on this, and you probably are aware of many of the things that we are driving forward in this area. Um, so I think, but, but it centers on um, regulatory changes, streamlining of permitting and inspections, um, just adding a whole lot of technology tools and customer service so that it becomes a much more transparent, easy, uh, less time intensive, and, um, and hopefully cheaper and faster process for businesses to go through. Um, one other thing that is sort of another program that is part of this is the Vacant to Vibrant program, which is focused on pop-ups exclusively and opening our downtown ground floor to new ideas by local uh, entrepreneurs, arts organizations, et cetera, that want to try new concepts. We see retail was struggling prior to the pandemic. That has been uh, sped up, that's been accelerated during the pandemic. And so the thought is that with, um, by giving access to ground floor spaces for, on the short term for, for no rent, that we can uh, try out and prove new concepts and seed what is going to take you know, the place for, um, for a lot of these spaces that, that don't have obvious tenants um, going into them at this time. One of our critical assets has been our productive workforce. So San Francisco, according to our economist, uh, is the most productive workforce in the world, and he says he can prove that. Um, and, uh, and that has been a huge attractor to business in San Francisco, and we need to make sure that we continue to um, allow that workforce to be here. And so this is sort of a two-pronged strategy. One is to make sure that we have adequate housing because our workers need to live here. Um, and so we need our families to be able to grow and stay in San Francisco. We need people who are seeking new opportunities to be able to move here and find housing. Um, and we also need to make sure that the residents, our San Franciscans who are here, are pre prepared and ready for the next, uh, the next wave of growth. So as we are attracting in these new businesses and industries to make sure that our workforce development programs are preparing people for those jobs that are gonna be growing uh, in San Francisco and that they can harness that wealth as well. Um, we also recognize that when people have a choice as to whether or not they're going into the office instead of being mandated to come into the office every day, uh, that the more interesting and compelling downtown is, the more often people are going to choose to go downtown, whether that is to go into to report to the office that day because they have a networking event or an art opening or a new restaurant that they want to try out afterwards or having people who don't work downtown, they're not based in jobs in downtown, but they want to come to downtown for reasons other than work, and that we need to support sort of the layering in of new reasons for people to go downtown beyond work. And so a lot of um, initiatives that the city is trying out is around activations and public space um, and creating this, you know, exploring and creating the idea of, a, of an arts 
and culture district within our downtown area. Um, I know that you all were uh, particularly interested in some of the ideas that we have, we have tried already. And so, um, and so I brought just a smattering of, uh, of the activations that we've done to date. We started with streets, uh, World Cup viewing parties uh, during the World Cup. Those brought up to 5,000 people into downtown just for, you know, that, those, um, watching those games. We have tried reoccurring uh, art markets and, um, and culture markets uh, that celebrate different, different cultures within San Francisco. Uh, next, this Friday, in fact, we are launching our Bangra and Beats Night Market, uh, which is uh, a reoccurring sort of um, market. And we have tried to make sure that these are reoccurring events, recognizing that like bringing people to, into downtown one day in a year is great, but it's not going to really move the needle for, for anybody. Um, but if we can establish a rhythm and a momentum, then we hope that we can, that we can really build interest and attraction and, and connect with people that downtown is about different things. Um, this one is related, uh, which is just to enhance our public spaces. Downtown has incredible public spaces, and, um, and it's really an asset. These alleyways and these plazas and these popos that, um, that are so unique and interesting to San Francisco and really offer a scale that people enjoy if it's a nice place to be. And so hand in hand with public safety, you have to feel safe and, and comfortable. But part of that is also having like greenery and lighting and seats and so that you feel invited into um, pu our public places. Um, we mentioned this before, and I'm almost done, but we, uh, we mentioned this before, but one of the really incredible sort of assets of downtown also is this transportation network that feeds it. You can, downtown is the only place in the region that you can get to easily from any neighborhood in the city and from any city in the Bay Area, and it can serve as this convening place for people to meet from all over. Um, in order to do that, we need to preserve our transportation systems, which are under dire stress right now. And so, um, and so really committing to serving downtown with our public transportation systems and committing to our transportation systems to support them through the fiscal cliff that they're facing right now. And then lastly, uh, there, there has been a narrative around San Francisco that has taken hold uh, at the national level that is a very big liability for us and for our ability to attract new business, new interest, and really retain our existing businesses. Um, that narrative is founded in one of our most challenging aspects, which brings us back to the public safety and to the street conditions. But it is also a very one-sided narrative that does not capture all of what San Francisco is. And so we need to reclaim that narrative to tell people the whole story about San Francisco, 
that we do have this really incredible city, an, an incredibly productive workforce, so much creativity and innovation, just everything that San Francisco is so that people again are reminded about the opportunity that lies here uh, so that we can begin to grow and recover. That is the roadmap in a nutshell. I'm tried to run through it at a high level so that we could get into questions, but I do welcome any questions. And thanks again. Thank you very much. Um, I'm gonna see, Commissioner Herbert. Thank you very much. It's not an easy topic, so, and it's a very broad topic, so I appreciate your coming forth and giving us a, the big picture. Um, I was wondering about federal funding and how realistic that is or possible that is for San Francisco. And um, would we, or would the business community, would the city have to have a very specific plan in order to get that federal funding? I'm just curious about how that would work because it seems like a lot of things need to happen simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And so there are a couple of federal funding buckets that we're watching that are sort of being you know, developed now um, to support specific strategies or initiatives. Uh, early on in the pandemic, the EDA released a recovery grant proposal that we did not get funded for. I think that it was, um, it was maybe too early and people didn't really realize the, the toll that our urban centers were going or the challenges that our urban centers were going to be facing. Um, and so at this point, I'm not aware of federal funding that is aimed at recovery generally and could support the entirety of the recovery plan. We're looking at things like, you know, transit assistance and infrastructure support, you know, things, things like that um, to date. I'll actually look a little more and see maybe if we can get our lobbyists on it. I heard some, in conversation uh, something about you know New York City getting funding at one time. So like New York City yeah. <laughs> did get funding. Um, New York City got, again, what I am aware of for New York City. Uh, for the COVID pandemic and their recovery, which funded a lot of their recovery fund, they used ARPA funds, so the American Recovery, uh, I'll, I can get you the actual, what ARPA stands for. Um, but we also, San Francisco got that, we, we used most of that funding for homelessness and for building, you know, permanent supportive housing that really deals with the situation uh, in, our, in our streets. New York used a lot of that money on incentives, on a, on a branding campaign and an, a, a tourism attraction campaign. They used um, a lot of it on sort of, yes, incentives in order to pull people into New York. Mm -hmm. as, that is my, that's my understanding of where that funding came from. Okay. And then I, I, the next, my next question was, um, what are some examples of businesses that wanted to get into before but couldn't that might be, you know, that you could approach? Yeah. Um, so 
a lot of it is, is prior to the pandemic tech was coming in it was very well financed it was cash rich and it was able to pay very high prices it displaced a couple of our companies we saw um, McKesson move out we saw Chevron move out we saw um, Delta Dental move out and so I think that there is it, it's just sort of like the tier under tech still office like I think that we, we would love to to explore um, some of those health healthcare industries, uh, professional services outside of tech, advertising, marketing, communications, things like that. Um, I think even some of our, uh, yeah, within the banking industry, there have been subsectors that have sort of stagnated, and we might be able to offer like a more there we seem to be gaining competitiveness there and so i think that those are the those are the kinds of industries that we're seeing are comp uh the the competitive our competitiveness sort of tweak up a little bit great thank you yeah yep thank you thank you So it's not really a question, and I'm new. It's kind of a comment, but thank you. Um, I just wanted to uh, have you guys consider when you are rebuilding downtown and changing buildings into homes or office offices uh, to maybe um, have requirements for local construction companies because those local construction companies hire within the community, so it's a win-win for everybody get to keep the community employed and money going back into the community. Sure. Just consider it. Thank you. Thank you. What about green energy? Like there just seems to be a yeah. huge, you know, untapped market for totally. sort of like the new deal of the, yeah, whenever the new deal was. You know, <laughs> yeah, but you know, like that is an emerging market, just like biotech is an emerging market. Totally. So, yes, how about attracting definitely looking at climate resilience and green energy companies? I think that there's a we want to we want to look at it, but there is a big argument. It is an emerging market. California is sort of that is where the market is located and there seems to be a lot of advantages so we're absolutely looking at that thank you vice president Zuzunas. thank you thank you director for coming before us today um i wanted to just throw out a couple of things that i've talked with small businesses that are in the greater downtown which like i would particularly describe as from the Embarcadero to like 4th Street and off of market and a lot of um, a lot of businesses that stayed alive during the last couple years were small businesses. Mm -hmm. um, when I had to work out of the S SBA office down there, you know, um, I saw the big formula retailers leaving and I saw the small businesses staying and a lot of the small businesses are, are hidden out there. Yeah. Like they're within the business parks, within the like kind of financial district alleyways and stuff. And I noticed um, businesses taking, I mean, if their business model, if it made sense, they would 
um, create like addendum businesses and, and um, be more in the foot traffic area. So like because they weren't getting like this one lady who has a flower arrangement business, which has a brick and mortar, but wasn't getting foot traffic, she set up a little cart. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was seeing that with a couple businesses because of you know them not being found, right? And I know that um, a lot of those businesses too kind of feel like they are not engaged with the city, like the city doesn't even know they're there either. So my question is, um, you know, how can we s engage those small mom and pop and largely immigrant and largely, you know, Southwest Asian, Arab, African, Greek businesses that are, um, you know, not really part of traditional merchant associations either. Yeah. So um, I, I would love to, you know, support you all in, in how we can create some marketing and promotion for those um, kind of off the beaten path businesses and um, yeah, let them know that you're thinking of them, that you know they're there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I'm thinking back to my time, like before commission, I, my first body with the city that I sat on was a formula retail working group. And I'm coming from the corner store community. So, you know, I was out here repping the low end retail and something that was really interesting while I was sitting with like bigger companies is the findings of, of that working group were that low-end retail and high-end retail experiences are the things that thrive. Mm -hmm. And so we need to not forget about our corner stores and our like cleaners and you know some of the smaller you know niche service providers out there that are really small um, or cheap services or just conveniences, uh, convenience businesses, and because they're the ones that have miraculously stayed yeah um and that's just my my uh two cents there but thank you for being the one to kind of harness all of this but i i appreciate that so much and i would love to work with this commission um and and with the office in order to come up with really effective strategies for region i mean right now we are working with um a lot of the sort of I mean, as you say, like the 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 um, the merchants associations and the community benefits districts, and you know, a lot of the stakeholders who are sort of the hubs for information at the district level, um, like the neighborhood level within downtown. But I think that it would be wonderful if we could work together to sort of like get, you know, the word out in a in a more proactive way, um, and so. That would be that would be great. Did you ring in again? Sure. <laughs> yes. Um, one more thing. I was. This conversation brought to mind the High Line in New York City. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like a hugely innovative draw. Like it's a great project. I think it was privately funded. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, but something like that, you know, yeah, like let's throw out a wide net. See, yes. what, you know, yeah. I mean, all ideas would be very welcome. We're certainly like within the improved public spaces, trying to think about you know what are the enhancements that we could do within parks and plazas, or even at like a broader scale um, that could be could, that could be successful. And then similarly around sort of. 
our conference and tourism industry, there's been a lot of discussion around bringing a like South by Southwest kind of event to San Francisco. You know, there's so certainly within both like um, within the built environment or the public space environment, as well as sort of uh, industry conferences and, and events. What are things that we could do at at scale that would really put San Francisco on the map again? And then how do we fund them? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Dickerson. Yeah. I'm going to turn on my mic. I don't really know how to frame. I, I guess I'll just keep it more of a statement. I'm coming from a very optimistic perspective, I'd say. I really feel like San Francisco, we have we have what we need to rebuild San Francisco. I believe it's here. I also believe the perspective of um, creating or, or giving opportunity, and, and I'm piggybacking on what my other fellow commissioners were saying, as far as giving opportunities to people who have shown they have been that stable small business that have kept the city going, giving these people opportunity. Now, I know there's a gap there because all the buildings aren't owned by the city. We're dealing with the whole rent and ownership and leasing, and I know those di dynamics. I'm just thinking there's, there's got to be a way where the communication with these, whether you're a building owner or you're leasing out these, um, some type of program, an introductory, well, this business has been here for 10 years. They're looking to expand. Let's create a pilot program where they're ready for expansion. And the program would allow them to expand in these larger spaces where they've already shown sustainability by being a small business for a certain amount of years. You know, like we have a legacy business. Legacy business you have to be in business for 30 plus years in order to qualify. There could be some type of program where small businesses that are looking to expand, maybe an application or whatever, and then be able to open the door for established small business for the expansion. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I've been privileged, I, I, I was a part of a pilot program where I was that. Um, and. Um, and still to this day, I have people come from, whether it be OEWD or other representatives, to come look at my building. And I mean, I'm a perfect example of that. I'm looking for, I'm not trying to plug myself. I'm just using me as an example that I'm ready for expansion. So, you know, you take a candidate of someone who's had success in that. So I think that may be um, an opportunity to present um, and not be afraid of, you know, the, grow, the growth spurt that's going to take place, you know, and not be afraid of the risk. You know, we can, I understand being careful, and of course we're dealing with budgets and policy and legislations, but I really believe that everything that we need is already here in San Francisco. We just have to, you know, make room for it and, bring, and make the invitation available for people who are ready for that expansion. I think we already have it. And I don't want us to underestimate. You know, I get the whole outside coming in, but we've done that. 
I think that this is an opportunity for people who've been here, born here, raised here, who didn't think they had opportunity because the tech world was so magnified that we now have the ability to kind of push everything to the side. I'm like, okay, city, let's rise up and take our city and, and, and um, fill it with all of the creativity and innovation and the arts and the all of the things that we have that already exist. So uh, did that make sense? It did, okay. and I appreciate all right. All right. that. I would all also right. like to work with you on that. <laughs> so thank you. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity here. That was wonderful. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, verbal head nodding on the side, so thank you. I mean, uh, to jump off of that, one of the notes that I had was towards the end of your um, presentation, you know, talking about how, um, you know, hoping for people to invest in us. And, and I really wrote that we need to invest in ourselves, right? Like, and that means building our businesses, like, and um, investing in the people who are ready to expand. And perhaps, like, some sort of, like, I don't know, I was thinking, I was picturing kind of, like, within our neighborhoods, you know, where people are going out and, and like for us to be able to identify like, hey, I want like, you know, on Clement Street, we have Giorgio's Pizza. Like I would love to have Giorgio's expand into downtown or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And how do we highlight like some of the businesses that we have existing or our legacy businesses and give them incentives to be able to like move into downtown areas. Yep. And for that to be like the community saying, hey, I love, like, we love having legacy business presentations and to have community members champion one another. And, and I think that type of, like, energy would be so good for downtown. And then that, in turn, also bringing in, um, you know, w with your events and everything, bringing people into the downtown area to have fun. Mm -hmm. Like, that was something that um, I really enjoyed. I was mentioning this to Carrie and Director Tang, but... I went to like the the Holy Festival that was in the yeah. East Cut, and it was like it was so cool, you know, and, and really easy to get there, you know, obviously by um, transit and things. Unfortunately, I did drive, and so my car has a lot of colored powder in it still. <laughs> but it was like you know, like, I guess I should have taken <laughs> Muni. Like, um, but you know, I also. <laughs> I also got a lot of good feedback about the World Cup viewing um, parties, different things like that. And, you know, for us who, you know, live in the city, for us to really learn how to go downtown again for fun and not just to think of it as a place to go for work would right. be really wonderful. So encouraging some of that. Um, I also wanted to speak about transit a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there there is a lot of... Um, discussion around transit in the neighborhood corridors. I think there's a lot of changes and a lot of things are, um, are, you know, a lot of plans that had been kind of um, paused because of the pandemic are now coming back into the discussions. And I think a lot of those plans are based off of like speed and like efficiency, right? Like we're going to mm. save X amount of time um, and we're just gonna have to do all these changes to the road and like, you know, X, Y, and Z. I just would love to think differently about transit because I actually think that 
speed and efficiency are important, I think. However, I think there are certain things that are other types of barriers for people to use public transit that do not require such um, large-scale interruptions to our commercial corridors throughout the city. So things that I can identify just off of the top of my head are like making the platforms and the, the transit stations more like stroller friendly. Um, you know, I think that would include, you know, ADA friendly, like all these different things, like making them just more exciting to be in, like have more art and not just billboards, have music in the stations, have different things that make the stations just much more like inviting and friendly. And I think those types of things don't necessarily have to like disrupt 10 blocks of traffic. It doesn't have to take away parking. I, I understand that parking is not the priority, but for some businesses, it's, it's still something that, that they rely on for, for people to be able to come and use their business. And that's just the reality of the corridor. I mean, I think, um, I think any help in championing those types of like creative thoughts or like looking at things differently would be really helpful. Um, the other things, I, and speaking about transit too, I'm wondering like with Market Street, what types of, um, what, what do you envision for Market Street given that there isn't like car traffic through much of the downtown area now? In terms of transit? Well, in terms of like, how do you see Market Street kind of like, it used to be such a bustling street, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and that was when we did have the car traffic and we had all these things and we had a certain plan for what Market Street was going to look like, I think, um, pre-pandemic. Um, and now I just don't know, like, are there other plans to activate or to make the street more? I mean, I just feel like it's such a like important vein in our, our city. Totally. Um, I think, I mean, I think that it's a really interesting question, and I don't know that I have an answer yet. So Better Market Street was a, was the plan created pre-pandemic when it was bustling to an, a point that it was like too much, right? And um, and I, I don't know what the plans are now in terms of what we expect and what the projections are around you know, as we as we see our city recover, and we see new businesses, new offices, new people come, you know, come into downtown for different reasons, like how that plan also evolves in order to um, like really serve the new way that that the that downtown functions and that Market Street needs to function. But I think, I mean, that's a a great question that I think deserves a lot of thinking. I mean, some some of the ideas in my mind, I think, are that um, I think I, I'm curious about kind of like the existing demographic data for downtown residents. Because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, for me, I do a lot of organizing within like neighborhoods, right, and um, in commercial corridors in neighborhoods. And I feel like that's one of the opportunities that downtown could really benefit from is feeling like a neighborhood. And I think right now it's kind of like San Francisco feels like, okay, here's San Francisco, here's all the neighborhoods, you can hang out in all these neighborhoods, and then there's downtown. Mm -hmm. But like downtown doesn't have its own like neighborhood personality yet, the way that like many of our neighborhoods actually have 
you know, almost like human-like characteristics, right? <laughs> like you can almost imagine who is there. And I feel like the times that I've spent downtown so far, there, there is like a feeling, you know, and there are people who live there and who have invested their, their um, you know, like that's where they are growing families and doing things. And I think to be able to see that and support that would be really, um, would be really cool. Because then they would be part of San Francisco and they could say like, we're San Franciscans and I live downtown. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is the vision and the opportunity is for not, is for downtown, right, to evolve and use its its position, its very unique position as like, again, fed by all of this transit, really dense, uh, extremely walkable to, to really bring in and showcase all of the neighborhoods in San Francisco, you know, where you can, like you were saying, like bring in businesses that are institutions and anchors in our neighborhoods into downtown so that your experience in downtown as a consumer is that this is an integral part of San Francisco and it reflects all of the diversity and the culture and like the, the uniqueness of San Francisco neighborhoods in one place and, and kind of teases you to want to go and, and like really go into each one of those neighborhoods, you know, um, while also, I mean, in the last sort of decade, right, there's been more housing built in downtown than any other part of San Francisco by far. And so I think that there are, and, and it's been in different parts of downtown, right? Uh, where that housing has really concentrated and clustered. And so I think that the, the organizations, we're working closely with, with a lot of the organizations that are sort of representative of downtown um, in order to develop the events and that, the activations and the strategies that really respond to, like, to their neighborhood as part of downtown. So the East Cut is different than Union Square and, and East Cut and Union Square and Mid Market are all like very different neighborhoods, all downtown, like all within this like footprint of downtown. And so trying to develop these micro strategies that all speak to this larger roadmap, you know, but in a way that serves their neighborhood and how it is growing up, you know. I feel like that type of micro like look at things could be a really successful way of making people feel seen and like enjoy being in their own neighborhood, which then in turn makes us want to like actually go check it out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic to um, Commissioner Herbert. Um, well, speaking of BART, I'll piggyback on what you said. Um, it would be great to activate BART as the channel that's bringing people to downtown um, and create commerce underground um, and art installations underground, all of that could like bleed up to the surface, so to speak. But if you're, you know, if you're riding BART and you want to get some flowers on your way home or you want to get an espresso or, 
you know, you want to watch a game or whatever, there could be a bustling underground situation happening um, that would match what's happening up upstairs uh, on Market Street. Um, and again, that would take a lot of money and <laughs> maybe some federal funding. Um, but that's a that's an interesting opportunity that you know could be very a very concrete project, and it would it would encourage people to use BART, you know, and then Muni, and leave their cars happily leave their cars at home because it doesn't take as much time to get anywhere um, when you're on BART or Muni, and it takes a long, long time when you get in the car, you know. But there could be a campaign for vendors, for businesses, and for residents. Um, yeah, and I, and I think we could activate Union Square in a similar way. And I will not say anything else after this. Thank you so much for your presentation. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Vice President Zazunas. Thank you. I know you've been with us for a minute, but I wanted to just chime in on the Market Street topic in particular. Um, yeah, I, I think everything my co-commissioner said about empowering who's here, I can't, I can't say that enough, and I think Market Street is a really good example of how San Francisco hasn't done a good job of that in the past. Um, when, we've, when we tried to bring... Um, different types of businesses to Market Street, boutique cyclist stores, boutique coffee shops, that kind of thing. Um, I saw an, a, an environment form of kind of like this. There wasn't a camaraderie with the other businesses on Market mm -hmm. Street. It became, a, honestly, a gentrifying snitch culture was formed. And a lot of these like newer businesses that had the city behind their back, behind their back you know, uh, or pushing them, helping them, were, tag teaming with the city to go after businesses that maybe had people loitering in front of them or didn't have as nice storefronts. And what we saw was instead of taking a compliance-based approach or an approach to help those businesses um, maintain their storefronts, and uh, we did like an imminent domain and we got rid of one um, corner store in particular that um, was really the only place keeping the lights on on that block. Mm. And a week after it closed, somebody was shot on that block. And so for me, I'm like, now those businesses that push for that business, that one business to leave aren't even there because they you know, didn't have any more you know, neighborhood. <laughs> and, and so I think it's, it's really important that as we're trying to clean things up, that we do it in a way that's really community-based, bottom-up, and it's empowering the businesses that are there. And um, specifically, I know we had SF Shines that tried to do neighborhood-focused <laughs> activations. I would love to see SF Shines or, or a you know, parallel program go to the remaining kind of uh, storefronts that are holding down Market Street and say how, you know, can we help you clean up your storefront? You know, and like, instead of penalizing them, let's, let's do the hard work of we have a business here, we have somebody who's done the work to stay on that corridor, let's not push them out, 
let's try to help them improve. So that's kind of like, I feel like this has been the growing theme of, of our commission in the last couple years is how do we work with small businesses um, to get them to the standard that the city wants as opposed to just punishing them for not meeting that level. No, that's great context and thank you. Um, I think just a couple more comments from me. I One industry that I was interested in was like education. I think some people have talked about universities coming downtown and then, um, and I'm also curious about like smaller universities as well. Yeah, I mean that is a real, we're very education, I think that the chamber has said, I don't know, director, if you know this, but there are 30 colleges down in San Francisco right now um, because of like all the, like Wharton has its annex and um, and so there are a lot of sort of educational institutions and they're, they're small and they don't necessarily, like they, you know, they bring in their sort of like um, master level students and above, right, because they're, their annexes and so I think that that is a really interesting proposition to us uh, and the city is really excited about you know any educational institution and sort of like might be looking into what what educational institutions we might be able to attract because it, I think it does play to our strengths and it does certainly support recovery to have young people you know circulating around and being in downtown and um, availing themselves of all of the entertainment and the and the the small business microculture or ecosystem that is that is there already I mean I think of even um, you know some of the things that I've been mentioning for downtown would be like um, as you build housing right to also build um, child care mm -hmm. into it and like and so when I think about education I think about actually like all different types of education, right? Like childcare as well as like early mm. education. And then even um, like, even uh, many of these schools operate like um, kind of like satellite online, like, you know, there's all these online like um, master's programs and like different graduate programs. I think those could be really beneficial when they're in your own apartment complex, you know? Like if it was like, if some, other types of like technical, um, I don't know, technical education kind of things were built into like the neighborhood. I feel like people would, you know, people would go for that. Like, a, I don't know what people are learning now. Like coding, is are people still learning coding? Sorry, I'm on the Small Business Commission. I don't do, <laughs> I don't. so, but like whatever people wanna learn. Um, yeah, so coding classes for babies, if you could have that built into the environment. Um, no the other pieces that I was going to say in terms of retail, because I know there's been a lot of talk about, like, you know, uh, retail and, and Union Square and all of those kind of things. Um, I'm wondering, like, I, I um, pre-pandemic, had some time to be able to travel, like, a little bit more. <laughs> and, like, in Asia, they have all these, like, um, type of, like, makers malls. And mm -hmm. I think um, it's kind of similar to Director Tang's like push for flex retail. Um, but I don't know, maybe I'm gonna put this out on this public forum. I don't know, maybe maybe somebody will wanna do this with me. But I'm thinking like it would be cool to have this giant like maker's mall type thing, right? But it's like an interactive art, 
experience too. Like I think whatever we gotta do, we gotta like do it like with heart and with like like really commit to this. Like I I feel like we've seen a lot of makers fairs and I love them all and we all go to them, but they look like a makers fair. Like let's up the, Get to the next level experience and um, and I so I feel like. Internationally, there's so many different opportunities, like even like looking at other cities and things like that, that are bustling. So I feel like San Francisco is just, we're right there. And I think it's just a matter of us committing to, apparently we all have to do this. So, <laughs> but that is, oh, Vice President Zunis, are you still on? Oh, no, that's okay. I think that was pretty much all of my questions. Does anybody else have any other comments or no? Great. Well, thank you very much for your presentation today. Oh, actually, one last comment. Um, when people do have these random ideas, like I got to talk to you and tell it to you yes. right now, but is there a place where um, the the public and and all of our friends and family who have these creative ideas can like um, share these? Yeah. So this is something that Director Tang actually brought up, I think, six months ago. Um, and we, uh, my team has been staffing up. Um, and so we are working on that now. Is when, it does not exist yet. But hopefully, when you go to the roadmap to downtown's future, in the near future, there will be a way for you to sort of submit ideas um, for recovery uh, or sign up to get to get updates on how things are going in the city. So that is coming, stay tuned. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, I think now we have to take public comment. Okay, great, thank you. Any public commenters uh, wanna come to the front of the room? Press star three if you're online and wanna speak. Hi, uh, good afternoon commissioners and um, Thank you, Director, for your presentation. Um, it was uh, very, uh, it was, as a citizen, it was really uh, wonderful to hear that there are plans being developed uh, to address uh, what is a, a serious problem in our city and its um, sustainability into the future after the pandemic. Um, I especially appreciated uh, Commissioner Dickerson's um, uh, comments about uh, that everything we need is here. Uh, I really agree with that sentiment. And um, I was interested in your presentation uh, to see that um, for uh, uh, Im improvement of the business uh, climate, uh, the healthcare security ordinance was uh, addressed. And um, uh, that um, ordinance has been in effect for, uh, I think maybe, well over 10 years, and uh, it uh, represents a significant issue uh, for businesses in the kind of 10 to 100 employee uh, level uh, because uh, it requires the employer to uh, provide several dollars, I think it's almost $3 uh, per hour worked toward um, health care expenditures regardless of whether the employee um, uh, needs health care benefits or not. So if someone is a, uh, a high school student and they have health care through their parents or they are um, somebody who uh, qualifies for Medicare and they, 
they have um, health care that way, they accrue um, uh, HCSO dollars, which the employer must spend or send to the city. Uh, and um, so anyway, I, I, there's not a lot of awareness about that. Um, I didn't introduce myself. My name is Janet Tarlov, and um, I um, I'm here on behalf of the Glen Park Merchants Association and the San Francisco Council of District Merchants. I, I didn't mention that because uh, those organizations, the vast number of our members, have uh, fewer than 20 employees, so they are not subject to uh, this ordinance. But uh, it is a uh, it is a significant issue for those businesses, I said, as I said, between 20 and 100, uh, because they are subject to it. And um, in a low unemployment environment, um, the demand for higher wages is uh, significant. And for the people who don't need that benefit, those dollars uh, that could be going toward higher wages go, go toward that benefit instead. So thank you very much. There are no callers on the line. Okay. Um, hearing no further callers, public comment is closed. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> um, item number four. Item four, approval of draft meeting minutes, discussion and action item. The commission will discuss and possibly take action to approve the April 24th, 2023 draft meeting minutes. Um, commissioners, any comments on the minutes? Nope. And we can open it up for public comment. There are no commenters in the room. Uh, no, none line. Hearing no further callers or comments, um, public comment is closed. Commissioners want to make a motion to accept the, to approve the draft meeting minutes. I'll make the motion. <laughs> I'll second the motion. <laughs> motion by Commissioner Dickerson, seconded by Commissioner Herberg. Herbert, sorry. Um, I'll read the roll. Commissioner Carter, absent. Commissioner Dickerson? Yes. Commissioner Herbert? Yes. President Huey? Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena is absent, and Vice President Sazunas? Yes. Motion passes. Great, thank you. Next item. Item six, general public comment. This is a discussion item allowing members of the public to comment generally on matters that are within the Small Business Commission's jurisdiction, but not on today's calendar, and suggest new agenda items for the future. Any public comment? Oh, any members of the public who would like to make comments on items not on the agenda? There are no callers on the line. Or in the room. Okay, public comment is closed. Next item, please. Item seven, director's report. This is an update and report on the Office of Small Business and Small Business Assistance Center, department programs, policy, and legislative matters. All right. Good evening, commissioners. And first of all, also want to um, welcome our newest commissioner, uh, Trisha Gregory. Um, so yes, I know <laughs> the screen is blocking our view, but <laughs> welcome. 
Um, so happy Small Business Week here in San Francisco, everyone. Um, I know this is a really lovely time for all of us, even though we spend a lot of time advocating for small business every single day. Um, and many of you uh, working in your small business every single day. This is uh, a time for us to celebrate here in the city. So um, with that, uh, as you saw last week, we have launched the rebrand of the Shop9SF campaign, really trying to draw people to um, the website, sf.gov slash shop9sf, as well as the social media uh, with those same handles uh, to encourage and incentivize people to get out in their neighborhoods and really uh, support their local small businesses um, instead of shopping online. So uh, that's what we're hoping for. Um, a couple events coming up. We emailed the, these to you, but also wanted just to remind you, tomorrow, Tuesday, is the City Hall pop-up. So it is a Maker's Fair tomorrow at City Hall from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at City Hall Northlight Court. Uh, this year featuring a lot of new business, about 50% of them are new vendors. Um, in uh, this this uh, city hall pop-up. So I want to thank uh, Mary Ann Thompson from our office for um, coordinating uh, this event. Also on Tuesday, just channeling uh, Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena since he's not here, but tomorrow is also from 4 to 6 p.m. the Latino Entrepreneur Celebration um, hosted by Meta at 2601 Mission Street. So I'm sure if you were here, he would want to invite you to that. On Wednesday evening is a small business boogie and that's from 5 to 8 p.m. at the Ferry Building in San Francisco, which is actually home to many small businesses. So it's a great reminder for all of us to support um, those small businesses uh, in that location. Um, so again, 5 to 8 p.m., it's a disco theme. So if you want to dress up, please, we welcome you to do so. And then lastly, on Thursday evening is uh, the Legacy Business Mixer, which is hosted by our office. I want to thank Rick and Michelle from our office for organizing this event. And that's from 5 to 7 p.m. at Anchor Public Taps. Um, all are welcome to join. You do not need to be a legacy business. And I do understand RSVPs are closed right now, but you can still just show up and have fun. Um, so that's for Small Business Week, and of course, um, the SF Chamber of Commerce is hosting a bunch of different events um, throughout the week, uh, and um, I also wanted to mention that the SF Public Library is partnering with our office, and uh, Martha Yanez from our team is uh, hosting a workshop, a webinar online on Wednesday at noon to help people who are just thinking about starting a small business. Um, also wanted to share that you may have seen in the news today that there's a launch of the Civic Joy Fund, and this is um, a, uh, an initiative with a $2 million project that will deploy five new arts and volunteer-focused projects to engage with communities across San Francisco over the next six months. Um, so this is not city funding, but this is private funding um, in collaboration between Tipping Point Community and Manny's. And so just wanted to make sure we spread the word about this opportunity for different uh, commercial corridors and businesses and more information is available at civicjoyfund.org. Um, lastly, just wanted to share, we continue to really enjoy um, getting to know businesses through our merchant walks. Um, last, uh, since the last meeting, we've been out at Dogpatch and also Chestnut Street. Coming up uh, this week, is, uh, we'll be out on Sacramento Street and then after that on Valencia Street um, the week after. So just continuing to do these every week and um, really hearing directly from businesses. Um, also forgot we were out on Mission Street as well, Mission um, by 7th uh, last week. So uh, those are all of my updates and uh, happy to answer any questions. 
Thank you very much, Director Tang. Commissioners, any questions? Seeing, uh, seeing no questions, any public comment? There's none. Okay, well, hearing no further comment, public comment is closed. Um, next item, please. Item eight, commissioner discussion and new business. This is a discussion item. Allows president, vice president, and commissioners to report on recent small business activities, make announcements, and make inquiries of staff. Let's see. Any new business or any commissioners? Oh, vice yeah. president Sazuna. Thank you. Um, something that I wanted to flag and see if the office has gotten any um, concerns from small businesses around this, but I know the Small Property Owners Association, it had it in their newsletter recently, and it's something that some businesses um, in, in my community are dealing with, is that insurance companies are not insuring um, businesses, or sorry, um, brick and mortars that were built like pre-1917, and um, it's definitely something we need to flag because that means there's commercial businesses and old buildings that are, you know, dealing with not being insured, right? Um, and it's, yeah, it's becoming a kind of an issue for a lot of small property owners who are in, you know, single-story old old units. So um, I wanted to know if that's something that came to, to your guys' plate or... Um, we haven't heard anything of that, and I guess just to clarify the question, is it that the insurance company is not insuring the property or the business tenant? Um, if there's a business tenant in the property, I guess I, I'm, I'm a little yeah, confused the, about... Both. Yeah, from what I understand, like, um, there, like if, if, you're, if there's any changes that are made, and even if, at least in the couple examples that, that I've been told... Tenant improvements were asked to be done. They were done. And then the insurance companies are still like, oh, it, it, the building is from this era, so you know we're not going to deal with it. And I'll, I think I'm probably not the expert to explain this to you, but it was in the small property owner's newsletter, so it is a kind of across-the-board issue right now. Okay, we can look into that, but our office has not heard anything of that okay. sort um, recently or ever. Yeah, okay. Um, and then the second thing that was brought to my attention is um, to ask about the Sister City program and where that lives and why it has no nexus to our small business demographic community. Um, and I think it could be a really beautiful thing if we connected it. Um, we have like demographic communities here that aren't really represented by that program. Um, it's, it maintains just like political ties, but it really doesn't disseminate into the community and into our small business ecosystem. And I think um, a lot of communities that um, could be represented in, in, in that kind of economic relationship that the city has with other cities, um, I just think that it might be something that we could explore, like where it lives and if there is an existing nexus to small business or if there's a way we can make that. 
Um, I think most of it lives in, within the mayor's office, and I think that small business is a component of the overall, you know, multi-factors for what goes into a decision around whether we form a sister city relationship with another um, entity. So I've, I've only been on one sister city trip over to Cork Island, and, you know, one of the things that they highlighted, for example, was their version of what we would consider like our ferry building and um, the businesses uh, in that um, in that space and what they were doing and how they activate that area. So I do know that small business um, is, is a feature and a component of um, these, but there are many factors that go into a decision around uh, development of sister city relationship. So are existing sister city committees like, for example, like do we have a small business representative on any of those? You know, like that's kind of just like, how are we tying it back to our communities here is, was my question. Yeah, and I am really not the right person to answer yeah. that. So. <laughs> but I, again, I do know that it is uh, one component of, of um, again, like the visits or discussion points. Um, so it's, it's certainly a part of it. It's just there are many, many different um, things that uh, people are looking at when they're talking about sister city relationships. Okay, thank you. Cool, that, that's something interesting to look into, I think. Um, before I call on Commissioner Gregory, I just wanted to um, welcome you more formally to the commission. <laughs> Sometimes I get a little caught up in uh, the things that I need to say, <laughs> and I don't always know how to say them, so thank you so much for um, deciding to serve on this commission. I hope you have, you know, I hope you have fun. <laughs> and I don't want to put you on the spot to have to say too much maybe on, you know, today, but when you want to, I would love, you know, for for you to have some time to be able to, you know, sh share a little bit about yourself as well as, um, like, yeah, if you, if, if you want a few minutes, yeah. Well, thank you, and I'm honored to be here. Um, I come from the construction part of small businesses, and uh, I'm a huge advocate for that. So it's for me, it's like what Commissioner Dickerson was saying, that we have everything in the city to help the city thrive. And so, especially construction companies, when you hear about all this money coming into San Francisco and getting new businesses, we are stuck about what is gonna to happen to us, what is gonna to happen to the really small construction companies who are really already struggling to stay alive in the city of San Francisco. Um, so I would like to see more discussion on how we can help those companies, um, but that's pretty much the background that I have. <laughs> um, I especially advocate in the black and brown construction because that, um, those are the people who really are not uh, developing their companies, are not moving ahead. Uh, they're struggling a lot, especially in District 10. Uh, so although I know a lot of my stuff is gonna be questions towards that because in my mind, if you are, in, if the construction services are thriving, right, and they're on almost every project in the city of San Francisco, and as you know, they're putting billions of dollars into San Francisco. So imagine if those construction companies had the contracts on those companies, then 
your stores will survive. Then your small businesses will survive. Then your corner stores will survive because we are the people who hire the community. So all of our money goes back into the community. So that's where I, that's my background. <laughs> I'm a little bit passionate about it, so sorry. But I would like to discuss a thing about the healthcare. Um, I do hear in a lot of the construction companies, the small construction companies also, that that is a problem because a lot of them are union guys. And so if a small construction company has to pay into the healthcare, but the unions are already paying their healthcare, it is, it is a big issue for small companies. So I don't, I'm new to this. I don't know how we discuss that or how we help the small companies with that, but I would love to see some kind of discussion around that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That's, that's exactly how you bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you. We're so excited to have you on the commission. Um, let's see. I don't think I have anything else. And again, see, I have no idea how to go forward after. <laughs> but any public comment? There's one caller on the line. All right. Well, public comment is closed. Oh, no. Oh, no. no there's, there's one caller on oh, the line. Oh, sorry. You said, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not listening. Caller, please go ahead. So I'm listening to y'all, you know, and uh, uh, I heard the woman who just uh, spoke about micro businesses. And I know a lot about it. Uh, at one time, my office was responsible for creating the local business enterprise, women business enterprise, nonprofit enterprise, and uh, submitting the model to the contract monitoring division. So the small business should work with Carmen Chu, who is a city administrator because the contract monitoring division comes under her. And um, I remember participating and asking the small business uh, chairperson, who was a man, I don't see him there anymore, and he said, oh, you know, uh, the, the small business doesn't uh, 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 get involved in uh, the grants or helping uh, the businesses, right? You are kind of some policy makers. And that makes no sense. Or like the other commissioner who knows me uh, was talking about uh, the variety of businesses, small businesses from Yemen and from uh, maybe uh, some place, Jerusalem or Ramallah, we need to to have sister relationships with these people, these these uh, countries. We are San Francisco, where the United Nations was formed. But some of you all need an orientation. So I get no orientation that the United Nations was formed in San Francisco. We had the United Nations Plaza, but nobody knows 
what's happening there, except like it was polluted and contaminated by the addicts. So when you have these commissions and the mayor appoints whoever she likes to appoint on these commissions, you all have to step up and represent San Francisco at the highest standard, at the highest standard. Learn about the United Nations, and you'll learn a lot about business and how to interact with communities all over the world. There is, San Francisco is unique because we embrace everybody. But if we don't embrace small businesses, especially those who, who are in dire straits, then, you know, these commissions are, are for nothing. These pop-ups and all are something that, you know, the, the younger generation likes. But we need to pop up with the older generation, too. Thank you very much. All right. There are no other commenters in the queue. Okay, seeing no public commenters, no further callers, um, public comment is closed. Next item, please. Item nine, adjournment. SFGov TV, please show the Office of Small Business slide. We will end with a reminder that the Small Business Commission is the official public forum to voice your opinions and concerns about policies that affect the economic vitality of small businesses in San Francisco. If you need assistance with small business matters, continue to reach out to the Office of Small Business. Meetings adjourned. Thank you.